0: I tell you this truth, I am the gate for all the sheep. All who ever came before me were robbers and thieves. The sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy the sheep but I have come that they might have life and might have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep in order to save his own life. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I shall lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. No one shall pluck them out of my hand. The Father who is greater than all has given them to me. No one shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Shepherds. They go places they don't want to go. But they go because they're shepherds. They go places where they don't want to go. Here are all the sheep and all of a sudden the shepherd sees that three or four are in the other pasture and in the other pasture... There are rhododendrons and there's ryegrass. And if the sheep eat that grass, they will die. And so the shepherd leaves the other sheep and he goes running after the four sheep that are in the other field where the noxious plants are. And when he runs and he sees them, he has to figure out whether he's going to give them charcoal or not in order to save their lives. Shepherds don't always go where they want to go but they go places because they're shepherds. He sees that three sheep are missing, and he sees the grass is bent as it goes into the woods, and he knows right inside those woods there's a stream. And sure enough, when he goes in there, he sees one of the sheep in the stream. And with the heavy wool coats that they have, that sheep will quickly drown. And he enters those waters, freezing as they are, And he pulls that sheep out, and he knows that that sheep can become sick within two minutes, so he tries his best to warm him. Shepherds often go where they don't want to go, but they go because they're shepherds, and those are the sheep. One's missing. Thirty are safe, one's missing. And he knows where that one is prone to go, and sure enough, as he starts heading that direction, he sees little footprints there in the dust and sure enough he's heading to the rocks and sure enough he hears the bleeding and sure enough that sheep is in the crevice yet again and he realizes he's too far down for him to climb so he takes that shepherd's staff and with the crook of that staff he tries to maneuver so he can get that underneath his front legs and pull him up shepherds go where they don't want to go but they go because they're shepherds and those are the sheep and they love them David talked as much when he's getting ready to fight Goliath he tells the king I don't need your armor when I'm ten years of age there's a lion that comes and steals one of the sheep and I go after the lion and I bring back the sheep, and another time a bear, and I go after the bear, and I bring back the sheep. Did that ten-year-old want to chase down a mountain lion to save his sheep? I don't think so, but he did. Why? Because he's a shepherd. Because he's a shepherd. On this particular day in Scripture, John chapter 4, Jesus went where he didn't want to go. He went where he wasn't supposed to go. The Jews had certain unwritten rules they had to follow. And one of them was, if you're going from Galilee to Judea, you do not go through Samaria. It is the shortest route, but you do not go through Samaria. You go to the east of the Jordan River because you don't want to put your feet in that territory of Samaria. The culture, the people that lived there, the intermixing of Jew and Gentile, it was taboo territory, and Jesus knew it. But on this day, there was one sheep that God was concerned about. And he said to Jesus, I want you to go through Samaria. And it wasn't such a big issue that Jesus prayed with drops of blood sweating off of him. Not my will, but thine be done. This wasn't that big of a deal. But maybe he said, are you sure, God? And God said, I'm sure, because there's one sheep in Samaria that I want you to come to on this day. And so he goes. And that one sheep was a lady, and that one sheep was hungry and thirsty, and she was naked because she didn't have the Savior, and she was in prison, not in a prison of addiction to drugs or alcohol. Her addiction was, I will find my hunger assuaged by another human being, Husband number one, and then two, and then three, and then four, and then five. And now she's living with number six. And of all the people on the planet on that day, at that time, God saw this woman. And he sends the shepherd to a place he didn't want to go. And there he sits by the well outside of Sychar. And here comes the sheep. Here comes the little lamb. One o'clock in the afternoon. She doesn't come at six o'clock in the morning like every other woman in the village does. Because she's the grist of the gossip mill. She's spit upon and laughed upon and mocked and ridiculed. And no one wants anything to do with her. So if she had a hunger and an emptiness in her soul... It was multiplied a thousand times because she was absolutely alienated from the others in that village. And Jesus sees the lamb. And when she comes, he precipitates a conversation. Says, Can you give me a drink of water? And she says, You're a Jew and I'm a Gentile, and you're asking me for water. And moments later, Jesus is saying to her, I know you're hungry, I know you're thirsty, I know you're naked, I know you're sick, I know you're in prison, I know it, and I'm going to tell you, you've been married five times, living with number six. And she sits there with her mouth hanging open, and her eyes bugging out. How does Jesus know that? And then he says to her, I have water of which you may drink, And if you drink of the water that I, the good shepherd, have, you won't thirst again. If you drink of the water I have, it has the power to create a new life in you. And your hunger and your thirst and your nakedness is gone because you'll have me. Shepherds go, Places they don't want to go. And they do things they don't want to do. But they do it because they're the shepherd. It will be the night before he dies. And the shepherd will be sweating drops of blood. And he will be saying to his Father in heaven, I don't want to go there. And his father will say, Revelation thirteen eight, the cross has been appointed for you before the beginning of time. And the shepherd will say, I know that, but I don't want to go there. But not this shepherd's will. Your will be done. And the shepherd goes to the cross. And God in the greatest affirmation that he ever gave Jesus. I know he said at least twice, "is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased." But the greatest affirmation God shall ever give him is when that shepherd dies and when that ultimate shepherd is buried. God shall raise him from the dead. And when God raises him from the dead, he is saying to the shepherd, I accept your death for every sheep on this planet that will ever believe in you. And they will be saved. He was the shepherd, we are the under-shepherds. He was the shepherd, we are the under-shepherds. Second Corinthians 5, 19, we are ambassadors for the shepherd. And as ambassadors for the shepherd, we go places we don't always want to go. And we do things that we don't want to do, but we do them because we're the under-shepherds of the shepherd. The gentleman I spoke about 10 years ago, I'm sure in his three-piece suit, The last thing he wants to do is pull over on the highway, Interstate 80, and help that seven-year-old lady who has a flat tire. I'm sure that's the last thing that that under-shepherd of the shepherd wanted to do. But unlike the 5,000 other cars that went past her, he stops, and he gets down in his three-piece suit, and he kneels down, and he changes that tire. Because under-shepherds go where they don't want to go, but they go because they're shepherds and they love whatever sheep God puts across their path on that day. Some ten years ago, when he goes off to college and he joins a fraternity. And when he joins that fraternity, he starts a Bible study. And he says to me, don't tell my dad that I'm doing this because he's not really a believer and he's helping to pay for my college, and if he finds out I'm doing this, I'm afraid he's going to cut me off. So don't tell him I'm doing this. I said, why are you doing this? He said, because the Lord is leading me to do it. He said, this fraternity is about as bad as you can get, and they need something spiritual in them. I want to start a Bible study. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Give me the courage and wisdom to do this correctly. And I told you a number of years ago, he starts out with two. But four years later, he got 120 that are involved in Bible classes. He touches the lives of two, and all of a sudden, by the time he's through, there's 120 extra sheep in the kingdom because he went where he didn't want to go, and he did what he didn't want to do. But he did it because the sheep were there in that fraternity at that university. You're the under shepherds. The dear ladies juggling four kids and a grocery bag. And you're standing there watching her juggling four kids and a grocery bag. A minor, minor little thing for an under-shepherd to say to the dear lady, can I help you carry your groceries out to your car? I see you have your hands full and you only got two hands instead of four. Yes. Shepherds go where they don't want to go, but they go there because they're shepherds. Unless you're Jonah. Unless you're Jonah. God says to Jonah, I've given you skills and abilities. You're, you're a pastor, but I want you to go to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And Jonah says, I'm a pastor, but my people are nice people. They're nice people, man. They, they, you know, they, they treat each other nicely and they open doors for each other. They're nice people. You want to send me to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria? You want to send me to the largest city in the world at that time? The capital of the most brutal empire that has ever existed. Their message of torture, they were the ones who dreamed up crucifixion. And that was one of the lighter tortures that they used. Jonah is flabbergasted. He says, you want me to go to Nineveh? Are you out of your mind? And God says, you're my under-shepherd. Jonah said, I don't care if, you're, if I'm your under-shepherd. I'm not going to Nineveh. And after some panic attacks and a storm at sea and a whale swallowing him, then the upper under-shepherd is persuaded to go to Nineveh. There's not one person in Nineveh. There's 120,000. And by the time this under-shepherd speaks to those in Nineveh, The Bible says the entire city came to the face. What is that? The entire city comes to the face. Jonah ended up going where he didn't want to go (coughs) because God had other sheep that were not yet in the fold. But by the time Jonah was finished and the Holy Spirit had done His work, they were in the folds. When we pray for God's wisdom in our lives, when we pray for His guidance, His direction to come, whether it's about the high school or college or elementary school, whether about the neighborhood we're to live in or the job we're to have, the path that God gives us is the path on that day that He wants the under-shepherds to take. We have one gentleman in this church, 850 families. We have one gentleman who every couple of weeks brings in a couple of bags of groceries. He brings in bags of groceries. 850 families in the church, he brings in bags of groceries. Because he knows there are hungry people and thirsty people, and he brings in the groceries. He's the under shepherd, and that's the task that he takes upon himself. We have a gentleman in this church who he was here last night. At one time in his life, he was working for the St. Louis Cardinals, selling advertisement and tickets. There was a ball player on the St. Louis Cardinals, his name was David Fries. And this member of our church helped to bring him to Christ. He was the under-shepherd there working for the St. Louis Cardinals. And he brings this ball player to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. God is the great shepherd. Jesus is the great good shepherd. And we are the under-shepherds. And maybe our ministry is to our children this particular day. Maybe it's to our teenager this particular day. Maybe it's to our mom and dad this particular day. Maybe it's to the next door neighbor. Maybe it's to the gentleman who stands out there with a sign, homeless. Please help me. You are the under-shepherd of the sheep. I'm an ambassador for Christ. He delivers his message through me, because I'm already part of his flock, and I have the same desire that he does to bring other sheep to know him. Matthew 20:26: 20, What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world, lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And this comment, whoever would be first among you must be the servant of others. Whoever must be greatest among you must be the under-shepherd of the Savior to others. You have the food. It's right here. You have the streams of living water. They're right here. David wrote in Psalm 145, listen carefully. David wrote, All your works will thank you, Lord. Your followers will bless you. And then David asked this question How will your followers, your sheep, bless you? And then he gives this answer. They will talk about the glory of your kingdom to others. They will celebrate examples of your power. They will tell stories about your mighty deeds to others and about the majesty and glory of your reign. And then David writes, Psalm 145, You will tell others how the Lord helps the fallen and lifts up those with heavy loads. That was written 3,200 years ago. The under shepherds do the same thing. We tell stories about God, whether they're from here or whether they're from His involvement in your life. You tell stories about God. And when you reach out to others, you discover something amazing. The fears and worries that go on in your own life, they begin to disappear. As you look at the mother with four children and a grocery bag. As you look at the woman with a flat tire on the busy Interstate 80. As you look at the next door neighbor who has not ventured out since he had his hip surgery, the grass is already growing quite high and you sit there wondering, how is this guy getting any food to eat? When you start thinking about other sheep and you stop thinking about you, it is amazing how quickly your life changes. That one sheep, the woman at Sychar as well, what did she do? That one sheep ran back into Sycar. She did something she would never ever have imagined she could possibly do. She knocked on other people's doors. 200 people in the village of Sychar. All of them come out and listen to Jesus. And they come to the faith. Because one sheep was touched by the kingdom. And she goes and tells the other sheep, Jesus is out there, the Messiah. And the Bible says they, like all of the Ninevites, they came to believe in Jesus not because of the woman's words, but because they heard the words from the shepherd himself. Touch lives. Two years ago, just before COVID came, I talked to the gentleman who started that Bible study. I said, what are your thoughts? He says, I sit and think by now, maybe 500, 600, 700 people have come to the faith because God led this under-shepherd to start one little Bible study. Let me have a prayer with you. Good Shepherd Sunday not Tax Collector Sunday, not Fisherman Sunday, not Carpenter's Son Sunday, Good Shepherd Sunday, in which the overwhelming love of God shines forth through the activity of His Son and His Son's one request and God's one request Be my sheep, feed them if they're hungry, give them water if they're thirsty, put clothes on them if they're naked, visit them if they're sick, visit them if they're in prison, because when you do it to one other little lamb on this earth, you have done it for me. As you are my shepherd, Lord, may I be a shepherd to someone else this day and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and the day after. June will retire. Jerry will retire. Joyce has retired. But there are still shepherds on this earth. And you will give them other sheep whose lives will be touched by theirs. Such things we ask in our Savior's name. Amen.